All right, good morning, how are we? Good, man, what an incredible weekend last weekend for Easter. I hope you all had a, a great weekend. Thank you for all those who came out to Saturday night and made space for people on Sunday because you were willing to move and make a move and invite people. Last weekend was our largest Easter weekend ever in the history of our church. And so you can clap for that, man. Come on now, all right? And, and it's not just about having large crowds. I want you to understand this. It's about reaching people. And so we had our largest, not only here in uh, Canton, but in Jasper as well, largest ever. Um, and so that was incredible. And 100, uh, we actually posted this out on Facebook. We had 181 people trust Jesus for Easter. Yeah. But, but it gets even better. Here's what's incredible. We had 181 people trust Jesus that we knew of at Easter in our adult services, both campuses, kids' services, both campuses, a large number of those were kids. So we posted that up on Facebook this week, and uh, I think that went up on Thursdays. And if you don't follow our Facebook uh, account, make sure you follow because you get information that's going on there. I'm not on Facebook, but if you are, it's great, and you should do it. And so we posted it out there, 181 people, and I kid you not, here's what happened in a comment that last night, I believe it was, Lindsay was telling me. Someone posted on there, when we said 181 people trusted Jesus, someone said, actually, 182. I trusted Jesus, but I wasn't there. I was watching online. I'm like, come on now, somebody. 100, 182? That is so much better than 181. And, um, but no, I'm being serious there. It's incredible. And again, so often, especially if you've been around Revolution for a while, you can just get used to what God's doing here. Thousands of people showing up, hundreds of people trusting Jesus, getting baptized. You can just get used to that. But I want you to understand something. We should never get used to that. We should never get to a place where we just think, oh yeah, that's what happens around here and lose the miracle of that. Lose the miracle of somebody trusting Jesus. Lose the miracle of somebody getting baptized. Lose the miracle of somebody showing up. And so I want you to understand, because you came to another service, because you served, a lot of you served multiple services, a lot of, some of you served five services, I just want you to understand something. That's why those people trusted Jesus, is because you served, you were here, you showed up, our parking team, oh my gosh, incredible, our welcome team, our kids team. If there is somebody in a colored shirt around here, you should high five them and buy them a gift card, all right? Because of you and your service, that's why that, that many people trusted Jesus. I know we're clapping a lot this morning, so... Feel free to clap if you want, all right? Or hold it to the end. I don't care. You don't, just don't golf clap it like it's the masters, all right? And so uh, 182 people, again, that we know of trusted Jesus. In fact, we were celebrating as a staff this week in our staff meeting, and we even heard stories of a couple other people that had trusted Jesus but didn't raise their hand. So that number is actually larger than 182. Uh, another number I want to tell you about is a couple weeks ago, we launched this thing called Mill a Month. Uh, and that's with our partnership with Serve, and, and it goes directly to help feed people in our two churches in Africa. Uh, but the good thing is, it's not just them, it's reaching more people beyond our people there, and uh, we're planning and strategizing about starting new campuses. And so it happens uh, to feed people there and also people here locally. And so we've had 175 people that committed to that monthly that are going to, uh, or 170, some of those did more than just one meal. Uh, and so 175 commitments to do that monthly, to give up a meal. And that's the whole point of this. And that's the reason why I think 
God led us to do it because it's an incredible way for us to continue discipling you um, to, to fast. We fasted for 21 days. This is a great way to continue that. My family and I, we sign up for more than just one meal. We're doing a whole day to where we're committing every month to fast for a whole day and not just to fast but to pray for those that need food, pray for the gospel to go forward, and then the money that we would have spent on that food, we are giving, uh, giving it to serve monthly, just a monthly commitment. We just signed up online. It's the best way to give, and so it just debits out every month, and um, that is going to them every, every month. And so I want you to understand, if you haven't signed up for that, this is, again, not a thing for us to raise money per se, in the sense of like we're asking you to give more than what you already give. We're asking you to give up something. This is money that's already budgeted. This is, uh, if you, and if you don't budget meal money every month, then you should, all right? Uh, and so this is money that you're already budgeting to give to eat. And we're saying, no, go without eating for a meal at least. And listen, we all could go without eating. Let's be honest, all right? We all could go without it, me especially, no judgment here, all right? Judgment-free zone. This is why I chose a whole day, all right? And so this is a, a way for us to be discipled into the spiritual disciplines and then bless other people. And so you can still sign up for a meal a month. Our goal originally was 500, all right? Uh, and I want you to understand just the magnitude of that. At 175, people giving to that, that's over 50,000 meals a month at that level. And so if we get to 500, that's 150,000 meals a month. I mean, again, that's hard to put into perspective, but 150,000 meals a month, it goes directly to our churches in Africa. And so if you haven't signed up for that, sign up for that. All right. It's in the lobby, both locations. Make sure you do it. Now, if you got a Bible, open it up to Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three is where we're going to be. We're going to close out Romans chapter three, and then we'll get into Romans chapter four. And again, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So eastbound and down, let's pray and get after it. All right. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word and how it tells us who you are. It communicates to us the truth about you. And I pray as we open it today, God, that you would open our eyes, open our ears to see it, to believe it, and to love it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you didn't get the Smoking and the Bandits reference, I'm sorry. All right, you should be cultured into things that are life-giving. All right, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 27. We're picking right up where we left off last weekend when we talked about how we're saved by faith, believing in who Jesus is. And so Paul picks right back up there, goes to verse 27, he says this. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Verse 29 and 30. Or is God of the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So here's his argument that he's been arguing, and this is pretty much the whole point of the letter of Romans, is how we are saved. We are saved by the gospel. We are saved by the good news. Going back to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in it is the power of God to save. And then he tells us that 
the gospel reveals the righteousness of God, and then the gospel reveals the wrath of God. And we've talked about that over the last seven or eight weeks. And then last week we got to verse 26, uh, in, or verses 21 through 26 in chapter 3, where we got into back into the righteousness of God. We spent seven weeks on the wrath of God, and you were very excited about that. And so we got to Easter last week, and now we're to the righteousness of God, and we're really, really excited about that. So here he's going to continue to build out what it means to be saved, and we're saved by faith. And I love how he starts this question, and I've been wanting to preach this sermon for a while, because it's kind of interesting to me that right after him saying we're saved by faith, all those who believe, and then he says, well, then what becomes a boasting? Why in the world do you think Paul asked that question right after he just got through displaying or you know, explaining what the gospel is? We're saved by faith alone. Why would he ask that question? What about our boasting? You want to know why he asked that question? Because Paul is a human, and Paul understands how humans think. And we as humans, we like boasting, don't we? We like boasting. We'll turn anything into a boast. We'll turn anything, and this this word boasting, I'm going to give you the definition of it literally. It means the act of publicly displaying or proclaiming a satisfied contentment with one's achievements. We like boasting publicly about what we do. That's one of the whole reasons why social media was invented, right? Just to brag to everybody about how awesome your life is, which is why I don't do it that often. Not because my life's not awesome, but because I just think the whole boasting and bragging part is kind of dumb. We love boasting. This is why we have favorite teams. And our team is awesome, not just because they're great, but because they beat your team. That's why they're awesome, right? I grew up going to daycare. I went to daycare at six weeks old. My mom was a working mom. Some of you may think, that's what's wrong with you. But I remember being in daycare all the time, and I would brag about my dad. I would brag about my dad all the time. And I said, my dad can beat up your dad. Now, here's why I was bragging about my dad, because I wanted them to understand that they can't mess with me, because if they mess with me, they mess with the whole clan, right? They get my father, So I was bragging on him, but my whole point was, is I wanted them to see me in a better light. I wanted them to understand who I was, what I was all about, all that kind of stuff. Now we as human beings, we naturally boast all the time. We're boasting about our kids. We put, you know, on a bumper sticker, my child is a straight A student, you know, and you see those, my child's a straight C student, but he can beat your straight up, you know, straight A student up, right? Or whatever. I mean, we always are bragging why. Why are we boasting? Because we are always comparing. We're always comparing ourselves. And the reason why we boast is because we compare ourselves to those next to us and we think, well, I'm better than them. But here's where Paul's going, and you're gonna get into this more in just a second. We can't boast before God. Because if we compare ourselves to Jesus, we lose every time. That's not a comparison we wanna play. So Paul says, what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. It's excluded. Then he says, by what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by a law of faith. Why is our boasting excluded? It's because we're not saved by anything we do. We're not saved by works. We are saved by faith. This is why he says that we contend, he says we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. I told you last week that phrase there, apart from, is a preposition of separation. It means it has nothing to do with it. 
So our works have nothing to do with us being justified. And that word justified, I've told you, it, it's, it's a legal term. What it means is a right standing with God. It's just if I'd never sinned. So here's the, the thing that we need to understand. The whole doctrine of justification by faith alone is what our whole church, our whole gospel, our whole faith system is built on. If you lose that, you lose it all. Let me give you this quote by Martin Luther, who was the father of the Protestant Reformation. Here's what he said, and it's on the screen. He said, the doctrine of justification by faith alone is the article upon which the church stands or falls. The article upon which the church stands or falls. So if you say, man, I, I get this, we're saved by faith alone. Okay, great, but we can never come off of that. Why are we going through Romans? Because you need to know that. Why? Because this is your greatest problem, whether you know it or not. Your greatest problem is not how to fix your marriage or how to fix your little habit or how to fix your finances. Your greatest problem is how to fix your relationship with God. That's your greatest problem. Every other problem is a symptom of that problem. Let me say that again. Every other problem is a symptom of that problem. And if you don't fix that problem, it doesn't really matter if you fix all the others. Because if you fix all these things and then you face a holy God at the end of your life and you wasted everything else that you did because you weren't right before him, then all of that stuff has no eternal consequence in a good sense of saying you're not going to be blessed for that. Now you're going to be cursed because your relationship with him wasn't right. R.C. Sproul talking about this quote. I don't have this on the screen, but I'm just going to read it to you. Talking about what Martin Luther said, said this. He said, it's so important. He's talking about Martin Luther. It's so important that he said that if we lose it, we lose Christianity. If you don't have the, doctor of just, the doctrine of justification by faith alone, you don't have the gospel. And if you don't have the gospel, the church has no reason to exist. The church itself ceases to be a church and falls into apostasy, which means a false faith, because it is the article that answers the question, what must I do to be saved? So here's the point. Without this doctrine of that we're made right by faith alone, our whole gospel falls apart. And if a whole gospel falls apart, the whole church falls apart. When the whole church falls apart, then the whole culture falls apart. So this article on which the church stands or falls is the article by which our whole gospel stands or falls. And if our gospel falls, we all fall. The culture falls. We're all in a world of hurt. And so why is it important for us to spend week after week after week going through this book? So that you have a right doctrine. So that you have a right faith. So that you know that your faith is built upon what Jesus did for you, not what you do for him. If your faith is not on that, if you're not made right, justified by that faith, then our whole point of existence as a church has failed to help you understand how you're saved. Because there's a lot of confusion on this. And there's a lot of confusion just because of what the Bible says as it relates to this in other places. One primary place that's caused the most confusion is James chapter two. 
James chapter two, and I did a sermon on this uh, two summers ago. In fact, it was in uh, June of 2017. It was when we were preaching through the book of James. So I would highly recommend that to you as part four, uh, saved by, or faith apart from works or something like that, where I talk about the, the relationship between faith and works. There's a lot of confusion about this. Again, the entire Catholic church is confused about this doctrine, and this is why Martin Luther was trying to reform it. And they, based upon their understanding of James chapter two, think this, that faith plus works is what justifies you. Faith plus works. God does his part, but we must do our part. That is a misunderstanding. What Paul is saying here is this, listen, you are saved not because you had any part at all. You are saved because Jesus fulfilled his part. And if you have faith, if you believe in, this is what we talked about last week. If you believe in him, you've jumped off the ledge. If you weren't here, I'd use the analogy of swimming. One of our staff, uh, her daughter got saved last weekend because she understood that swimming analogy. I'm like, praise God. It's, it's a trust in, not a trust that it's not believing that Jesus exists. It's trusting in him and him alone. So that's what our whole faith is built on. In fact, the series right before the James series, if you want to go back and and watch them, is called This I Believe, where we talk about the five solas or the five alones. Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, scripture alone, glory of God alone. That is our faith. We are saved by faith alone, through Christ alone, through grace alone, which means this. Christ did it. We didn't earn it. That's grace, but we believe it. He did it. We didn't earn it. We believe it. That's how we're saved. That's the argument here. We're saved by faith alone. Faith alone. And if you don't understand that, then you don't understand salvation. We are justified, made right with God through faith alone. Now, here's the thing. I said this last week. I don't understand why we Christians argue with that. Like, that's the best news ever. And people are like, I don't know if I believe that. Why? Why? That's the, God just told you that you can be saved by doing nothing. You can be saved by simply believing or trusting in. And people are like, I don't know. Why? You want to know why? Because you want something to boast about. You see, if you're saved by complete grace, then you got nothing to brag about. You got nothing to tell other people. You know, well, well, God saved me because I was worth saving. I mean, I was doing a lot for him. And so he was like, we better save that cat so that he can keep doing some stuff for us. No, no. And again, this is why I don't understand why people argue with this on, the, on, the, on that side. I don't understand why people will think about why, why would you not love this doctrine? See, on one side, people don't love it because they understand that their works mean nothing. And they like to brag, they like to, brag, they like to boast. But on the other side, which I think is where a lot of people are, they just don't believe that it's that true. They don't believe that it's that good. Like how in the world could he save me when I did nothing? And that's the main argument that Paul's trying to make. Let's continue on here. Look at verse 31, then we'll go into chapter four. 
says, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Now, we'll talk more about this next week, the role of the law, but you need to understand something. When we're saved by faith through grace, it doesn't mean we no longer work. It doesn't mean we don't uphold the law. It doesn't mean we're now free to do whatever we want. No, 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 no. That's a result of faith. Here's what he's saying, though. Your works are not the basis of faith. Your works are not the basis of faith. Works are the result of faith, which means faith's going to lead to works. All he's saying is works doesn't lead to faith. We'll get into more of that next week. But then he goes to verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? You look at that word there, interestingly. What was gained? What was earned? See, Paul's Jewish, and he's talking to Jewish people. And their thought was that God chose Abraham. And so when God chose Abraham, he was circumcised, circumcised, right? And so their whole faith, their whole system of religion was built upon the fact that they were Abraham's children. This is why when Jesus was talking to the Jews in John chapter eight, he calls them the father of, or the, the, the devil is their father. Like, no, 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 Abraham's our father. And he's like, no, 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 no. The devil's your father and they want to kill him. They didn't take that kindly. And so they, they, were, they thought that God loved them because they were the sons of Abraham. That's true, but they misunderstood why God loved Abraham. Why did God love Abraham? Was it because Abraham gained something by his works? No. Look at how he argues. Verse two, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, a little side note here. There's kind of messages within messages. I love how Paul argues here. He goes, what does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? You want to know why a lot of us don't have a strong faith? It's because we don't know what the scriptures say. Jesus had another point in the Gospels when he's talking to the religious Pharisees. He's showing them something, and then they don't believe. And then Jesus has the audacity to say, you want to know what your problem is? You don't know the scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. Now, he told that to people who had memorized the scriptures. I mean, how audacious of Jesus that you don't know the scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. You, you got to think that they were like, oh, we know the scriptures, homie. No, you don't know it. See, here's the thing. Again, I was saying this earlier. You can know the scriptures and not know them. You can recite Bible verses and not know the power that they hold. So the, the point is not that you know a lot of stuff. The point is the stuff that you know has changed you. You know it intimately. You know it deeply. So what does Paul say? What do the scriptures say? He just goes back to Genesis and argues. When was Abraham justified? Again, this is not confusing. If you go back and read Genesis, in Genesis chapter 18 is when uh, God tells Abraham to circumcise himself. Again, you got to know that when God told that to Abraham, he was like, uh, what? Did I hear you correctly? You told me to do what? And, and I've said this before, that came after he had, you know, Hagar and had another son, not by Sarah. 
And so I think God was saying, yeah, that belongs to me. You're 99 years old. You go do this. So that is when the sign or the seal comes. And you're going to hear literally in this section, I counted it up. You're going to hear the word circumcision 12 times to the point where you're going to be like, please, dear Lord, don't say that word again. And if you're a kid here, ask your mama later about what it means, all right? This is why we've got rev kids. You should check them in. It's much better for them in there. They don't discuss this stuff at this level, all right? So, so here's, you're like, why, what's the big deal about that? What's the big deal about that? Because that was the sign. Paul's gonna say in just a minute, that was the sign of the seal of the relationship of the covenant with God. That came in Genesis 18, So what Paul's arguing is, was it that that made him righteous? Was it that that made him justified? Was it his work of circumcising himself that made him righteous before God? Paul's going to say, no. You want to know why? Because in Genesis 15, he was counted righteous. Now, I don't know if you know this. So let me ask, let me do a straw poll. What comes first, 15 or 18? You guys are so smart. So, so Genesis 15 become, comes before Genesis 18. Is that what you're saying to me? Okay. If that's what you're saying to me, then in Genesis 15, verse 6, is when Abraham was justified. He was justified in Genesis 15, verse 6. And why was he justified? Because he did something? No, because he believed something. That's what he's quoting there. He's quoting Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God. Again, that word there, believe, we talked about pastuo. This is a Greek. Uh, obviously, in Genesis 15, 6, it was Hebrew, but now he's writing in the New Testament, so this is Greek. This is the same Greek word that he used earlier, pastuo, to believe in. So Abraham believed in God, and it was counted to him. That word counted is an accounting term. It means credited which means Abraham had no faith in his bank account. He was broke. You want to know how we know that? Because Abram was 75 and he couldn't have kids. And yet God chose a dude who couldn't have kids to be the father of all who believe. Why in the world would God choose him? You want to know why? So that Abram knew I brought nothing to the table. I had nothing to do with that. I mean, I was involved, praise God, but I didn't make it happen. That's the point. You want to know why God made me a preacher? Same reason. (laughs) I brought nothing to the table. I brought nothing. It's all God. It's all his glory. So he was justified, Genesis 15, 6. He goes on, look at this, verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So here's what he's saying. Listen, if Abram had worked for it, then the promise would have been owed him. But if Abram didn't work for it and he believed God, then it was a gift. And he was justified, made right before God through his faith of grace. So check this. Even in the Old Testament, people were saved by faith by grace. Even in the Old Testament, they were not saved because of the law. The law hadn't even been given yet. Moses wasn't even alive yet. The law's going to come some 600 years later. How was Abraham made right before God? The same way you and I are made right before God, through faith, by grace. 
We aren't owed anything. And, and here's, this is so tough, and we're going to get to this later in Romans chapter 8 when he talks about sufferings. This is why God allows suffering in our life. Because let me ask you a question. When suffering comes, what is your first response? I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this, God. I served you. I've been faith. I, I served all five services in Easter. I served you. I was faithful. I tithed. I gave. I did all this, and this happens. God allows suffering to remind us that everything is a gift. And if He gives, He can take away. That's why Job says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what you deserve? It's what I tell my kids all the time. My kids are like, this is mine. I deserve it. No, you deserve hell. And you may think, man, you are scarring your kids. Or you could think I'm just right doctrining them. Why in the world would I want a kid to grow up thinking they deserve more than hell? Because they don't. So er therefore, everything they get past that is heaven. Everything they get past that is grace. Everything they get past that is gravy, right? We don't deserve anything. This is why when things happen in our life, we're like, God, I, I'm owed more. And God's like, no, you're owed nothing but judgment. It's all a gift. And this is why I love, he goes back to the Old Testament. Look at what he says. Verse six, he says, just as, uh, as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. He's quoting David in the Psalms. You wanna know what real blessing is, my friends? Real blessing is not money in a bank account. Real blessing is not a five-bedroom home with, you know, marble countertops, whatever. Because let's be honest, once you got them installed, about a month later, you're over them, right? Real blessing is not a big car. Real blessing is not even health. Real blessing is being made right with God. Real blessing is having your sins forgiven. Real blessing is knowing that God is no longer counting you unjust. Real blessing is knowing that God through Christ now is counting you as righteous. And, and, and hear me, you wanna know why there are so many unhappy, ungrateful, boastful, prideful believers in the church? It's because they've forgotten that blessing. Forgotten that blessing. Now listen, I struggle when I struggle. What I mean by that is this, when my life doesn't go the way I want it to go, I struggle just like you struggle. I, I doubt just like you doubt. But one thing we should never be is boastful. One thing we should never be is prideful. One thing we should never be is think that we somehow got here from ourselves. And so here's what I'm saying. We could have the worst day possible. We could be having the worst year possible, the worst decade possible. But yet, if you're made right with God, you're still blessed. Amen. 
You see the point there? See, our happiness, our joy goes so much deeper than this outward blessing. And God has to take us through trials to drill that into our heart, me included. So you know what that means? Every Sunday, no matter what my week has been like, I have reason to come in and raise my hands and praise God. Because my sins have not been counted against me. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Because God counted Christ as guilty and he counted me as innocent. That, that will destroy all boasting. So he goes on and we got to hurry. Look at this verse nine. He says, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. I told you that word's coming a lot. We're halfway through. You're going to get about six more times. Why is Paul arguing like this? Here's what you need to know. Remember, he's talking to a Jewish audience and he's saying, listen, you need to understand something. It wasn't circumcision that made him justified. And we as Gentile people, we look at that and we're like, what is the big deal about that? Anytime you see New Testament, that word circumcision, just substitute the word baptism. Because Old Testament, the sign was circumcision. New Testament, the sign is baptism. So the question is this, we just did baptisms two weeks ago. We'll do it on, on Memorial Day weekend. The people who get in the water, are they justified before they got in or after they got out? Before. They were justified before they got in, not after they got out. But the Jewish people believed that Abraham was their father in the flesh. And what that means is they were there because of that act that Abraham did, not because of the faith Abraham had. So they thought what made Abraham right before God was that act of baptism. Again, that sign of circumcision. They misunderstood. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. It wasn't that. It came three chapters earlier. Did you read the scriptures? It wasn't after. It was before. Why? Look at this. Verse 11, I love this. He received the sign of circumcision as the seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose, listen to this, the purpose. Why? The purpose was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Why did God take a guy who could have no kids and give him a promise, I'm going to give you a kid. And through that kid, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Why? So that Abram would have to believe by faith to make it happen. Why? So that through that kid and all the nations would be the children of the father of faith. So that what Abram would pass down to his kids wasn't his flesh. It was his faith. That was the point. So, so here, let's, let's translate this. Why did God give you kids? It wasn't so that your last name could carry on. It wasn't that in the flesh, these kids now could say, that's my daddy, that's my mama, that's my father in the flesh. No, the whole reason why God gave you kids is so that you could pass down your faith to them. 
not your flesh to them. And see, here's the thing that's so crazy because we're so caught up in this world of materialism and and having a legacy and having retirement. And what if I live to 100? I need to have enough money. Listen, what if you pass down all the money in the world but no faith? The Bible says you could gain the whole world and yet lose your soul. I mean, you could own all the money in the world and pass it down to your kids and you would have failed because you passed on to them a dead soul. See, the whole reason why God chose a guy who couldn't have kids is so that his kid would know, the only reason I'm here is because you had faith, dad. The only reason I'm here is you trusted God and it was credited to you as righteousness. And so you've passed down your faith to me. That was the point. The point was for you and I to be the fathers and the mothers of faith. In just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Mother's Day. And just a few weeks after that, we're going to celebrate Father's Day. And I want you to remember this message on those days. Because the whole reason why you're a mother, the whole reason why you're a father is not to pass on your flesh. Are you kidding? It's to pass on your faith. So please don't build your life. Don't set the example for your kids that somehow sports is the savior. Sports is not the savior. Come on now. Don't even tell them that college is the savior. Save up for college. Yes and amen. I've got a savings account for college, but here's the deal. College is not my kid's savior. Jesus is. And if college gets in the way of church, guess which is going to win? Church. This is why you should sign your kids up for student camp. We got 25 to 30 spots left. You should rush out of here if your kids aren't signed up to go. You should have them go. My kids are going, or my kid. My daughter's not old enough yet. My son's gonna be there. And guess what? While he's there, he's gonna miss football practice. But you don't wanna know why? Because his faith matters way more than football. Because he will be judged when he meets Jesus, not at how good of a quarterback he was. But if he had faith in Jesus, church, come on, let's pass down our faith. This is why we ask you to give. This is why we ask you to be generous. This is why we ask you to go without a meal. This is why we ask you to give to multiply. Why? Because we want to multiply faith, faith in the next generation. The gospel is always one generation away from dying out. How many of you grew up in a church where you thought the message of the gospel is, God is good, you are bad, try harder? You thought that's what the gospel was. A lot of you. God's good, you're bad, try harder. That's not the gospel, which is why a lot of people leave the church. The gospel is, God is good, you are bad, Jesus finished it. Not try harder. But Jesus finished it. And if you believe in Jesus, even though you're bad, God will make you good. Because you were dead, now you're alive. That's the faith we pass on. That's the message we pass on. And the reason why we're preaching through Romans is so that you don't forget that. I don't forget that. Because we want to be the father of those in faith. Let's look at verse 12, last one. Again, he says it again, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk 
in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. See, the problem with the Jewish people was not that they weren't Jewish enough. The problem with the Jewish people is they forgot what it was that made them Jewish. What made them Jewish was the faith of their father, not the flesh of their father. The faith of Abraham. This is why I told you last week or a couple weeks ago, and we'll get into this more again later in the, mess, in the Roman series, God doesn't have two groups of people. He doesn't have Israel and the church. And, and really, those of us who call ourselves Christians, we are grafted in to a Jewish faith. The goal is not to make Jews Christians. The goal is to help the whole world understand the Jewish faith in that that whole faith is built upon faith in God. So that's the point. We'll get into this again, Romans 9, Romans 10, Romans 11. It's really confusing for a lot of people, but it's not when you understand it through this lens. Because Jews are not Jews because they were circumcised. They're Jews because they have faith, just like their father, Abraham, did. And so we are grafted into their branch. And what that means is this. You and I, we aren't saved because we were baptized. We aren't saved because we went to Sunday school. We aren't saved because we are a steward of Revolution Church. Now, all those things are good. We are saved by faith in Christ. It's always been the same gospel message from Genesis 3.15 all the way through. You're only made right, justified before God through faith. It's the only way you're made right. This is why it's, under, it's important to understand that and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, we're taking a trip later this year to Israel with our outreach partner, Victory 91.5, and I'll be teaching on that trip as well. And so if you wanna come and learn more about that faith, we'd love to have you. You can ask more about it after service is over. But the point is not, I need to go to a holy place to understand God. No, all that helps us understand better that it's not about holy places. It's about a holy God making people holy because the Holy One came and dwelt among us and lived a holy, perfect life and yet died like an ungodly sinner so that us as ungodly sinners could trade places. So Jesus took our place on the cross because he knew that he could walk out of the grave, but he knew we couldn't. So what happened to him will happen to you if you simply have faith and are justified, made right with God through that faith. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for your word. Because your word from beginning to end is telling one cohesive story. The Bible is not a collection of a bunch of different stories. The Bible is one story with a bunch of different actors. And when we read the Old Testament, the point is not to read it and think, oh, I need to be like Abraham, I need to be like David, I need to be like these people, because all of them failed. The point of reading the Old Testament is to show us that no matter how hard we try, we can never measure up. The point of reading those stories is to look beyond those people into the one that they had faith in. You didn't choose Abraham because he was great. You chose Abraham because he was nothing. And yet it was his faith in you that made him great. And so the legacy that we are standing on right now goes all the way back to the faith of Abraham, who when you told him to look up at the stars and as many of the stars would be his children, and those children in the stars weren't his children of the flesh. The mystery of the gospel is not they would just be ethnically Jewish people, but they would be Gentiles too. That's the mystery of the gospel. That through the faith, all people would be saved. So you didn't choose Israel because you wanted to save them alone. You chose them because through them you wanted to save all the nations. And so God, I pray for anybody here who has not trusted Jesus in faith and been saved. I pray that you'd save them. Nobody looking around or talking here as we close. This is a great follow-up message to Easter because maybe you were here last week and you didn't make that decision, but you can this week. You're justified, made right, with God by faith. Apart from works, and that faith is simply this, you are believing in Jesus. You're believing in what Jesus did. You're believing in the fact that Jesus is God and he paid the price for your sins. And if you'll believe in him, you'll be saved, made right, justified before God. So if you wanna trust him, Right there where you are, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And very simply, as Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess and believe, you'll be saved. So that's all this is. It's a time for you to confess and to believe in the faith that God has opened your eyes to see right now. So if that's you, if you wanna pray and trust Jesus, right there where you are, nobody looking around or talking, you can confess with me, you can pray with me, not out loud, and it goes like this, say, Father, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. And I respond now in faith. Believe in Christ alone to save me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I'm trusting Jesus. Yeah, nobody looking around or talking. If you just prayed to trust Jesus, would you just simply lift your hand up so we can see that? We're not gonna call you down front or anything like that. We just ask you to raise your hand so we can know we can give you a gift. And so when they give you that gift, you can put your hand down. Thank you. And again, like I said last weekend, for those of us who've trusted Jesus, 
maybe last weekend, maybe last year, maybe 30 years ago, please understand something. Faith alone, which means you got nothing to brag about. You got nothing to bring to the table, and that's good news. So our boast is in Christ. But the good news is no matter what you're going through right now, if you're in Christ, you are blessed because God solved your greatest problem. And one day, he'll solve all these other little problems too. One day, you'll be healthy. One day, you won't die again. One day, you'll live forever. One day, no more tears, no more pain. Those are all problems, but they're not your greatest problem. Your greatest problem was you were separated from God. And if he blessed you by bringing you back, how much more so will he give you everything else? So trust him. Father, thank you for loving us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.